Hello and welcome to Complete Caribbean, a Travel Pulse podcast all about the world's favorite warm weather destination, the Caribbean. I'm writer, editor, and Caribbean travel expert, Jet Set Sarah. And I'm Brian Major, managing editor here at Travel Pulse. We're happy to have you join us today as we discuss the ins and the outs of Caribbean travel and we share the latest info and intelligence on this wonderfully diverse region. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Complete Caribbean podcast. This is Wednesday, October 27th. I am Sarah Greaves Gapadon along with my co-host, Brian Major. Hello, everyone. We are excited to have you with us today. And of course, we've got a lot of news, so we're going to go get straight into it in our news section. This just in. First up, you'll never guess. There's some COVID-related news. I've got some, right? I've got some (laughs) COVID-related news actually from Anguilla, which has just adjusted their entry protocols. So beginning November 1st, adult visitors to the island must all be fully vaccinated and apply for an entry permit on ivisitanguilla.com. There's a reduced fee now. It's $50. And that $50 covers a COVID test on arrival. But you also have to present proof of a negative COVID test result taken within two or five days of when you touch down. To note, the island now accepts results from a nasopharyngeal rapid test as well as PCR tests. And of course, once you get to your hotel, guests have to stay in place until the results of their arrival test are returned. But it's usually only about 24 hours, after which they are free to roam the country. But there's more. If you're going to stay in Anguilla longer than eight days, and lucky you, lucky you if you can, you are mm-hmm. going to be needing to be yeah. tested again on day four. But good, good news is that test comes at no at no extra cost. Also, one more thing: although travel applications are accepted online until noon the day before you travel, please don't leave it till the last minute. Plan ahead and save yourself and the local officials a lot of unnecessary stress. Please don't be Caribbean about it. <laughs> um, uh, you're there, not in, on Caribbean. I'm from the Caribbean, on, so I'm allowed to say that. I'm allowed to say that. That's um, how you know, Caribbean right, people. Exactly, you know, so exactly. come on, you know, and. <laughs> no, Caribbean time. I mean, it exists. Yes, yes. Okay? So. But, not, but not for applying for entry to Anguilla. So there have also been entry protocol changes uh, for people going to Barbados as well. As of October 24th, vaccinated visitors no longer need to take a COVID test on arrival or to observe quarantine. However, you may be selected at random to take a rapid test at the airport, in which case you'll wait there for the results before you get released to roam the island. Mm-hmm. Note that all travelers to Barbados, vaccinated or not, must apply for entry online at BarbadosTravelProtocols.com and submit results of a negative COVID test taken within three days of arrival. So no one's getting out of tests, but things are changing and changing whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. So stay tuned to us to hear all the news about that. Right, Brian? Certainly true. You should do just that. And, uh, you know, those are two of our favorite islands. Those are two wonderful destinations. So now you know more about traveling to those uh, two places, Anguilla and Barbados. And another of our favorite islands, which you'll hear more about later, is Jamaica. And last episode, we discussed Jamaica's resumption of cruise traffic. This week, we have news of growing land-based arrivals in Jamaica. New aircraft deployments and passenger data from American Airlines and Southwest Airlines point to Jamaica's continuing rebound from the pandemic travel shutdown. 
Beginning in November, American Airlines will utilize higher capacity Boeing 7878 Dreamliner aircraft on flights to Montego Bay, departing from Dallas, Fort Worth, Miami, and Philadelphia. Those larger jets will accommodate higher demand for travel to Jamaica. American will also increase service later in the year with thrice weekly nonstop flights from Philadelphia to Kingston. In addition, Southwest Airlines officials say passenger occupancies on its U.S. departing flights to Montego Bay are very close to pre-pandemic record year levels. That's according to Edmund Bartlett, Jamaica's tourism minister. And that those developments from American and Southwest are supported by other data from online travel retailer Expedia, whose data shows that room night and passenger growth metrics in Jamaica surpass the comparable period, the comparable comparable period <laughs> in, uh, in 2019. That's the summer season, uh, this past summer season. This summer season was particularly strong for Jamaica and for Caribbean destinations in general, as that wanderlust was, was unleashed <laughs> that we'll talk yes. again more about later. <laughs> and people were happy just to be able to travel again. Um, now, uh, Minister Bartlett said the data on Jamaica's recent tourism growth follows his meetings with airlines, Expedia, and travel industry leaders across Jamaica's largest source markets, that's the U.S. and Canada. And those meetings were aimed at driving increased tourist arrivals in the near term and to cement further investment in the island's tourism sector. So the destinations are being buoyed by um, increased arrivals. Uh, Again, the wanderlust is being unleashed. Um, We're heading into the strong winter season that's traditionally strong for, for Caribbean destinations. So... Even in this terrible situation, things are really actually looking up in uh, in Caribbean tourism. Yeah, definitely. If you want to go to Jamaica and you feel comfortable traveling, you've got plenty of choices coming up for the season, which is good to know. Um, I also have some news about air travel, and this time to Grenada. So if you're thinking about going to Grenada this winter, I have good news. American Airlines announced recently that they'll be adding an extra flight to their service between Miami and the Spice Island. Beginning on November 2nd, there'll be a total of three weekly flights from the Magic City, the 305, on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And beginning December 1st, they're going to start daily service too. And in even more good Grenada news, American is also offering nonstop service from Charlotte, and that begins on November 27th. So put Jamaica and Grenada on your list if you're looking for somewhere to go to escape Winter's wintry grasp. <laughs> winter's wintry grasp. Speaking of which, it is like wintry. It is, today is like the first really, really fall-like day here in uh, in New York, and uh, you know you're feeling. I'm feeling that the need to need to <laughs> need for sunshine, need for some Caribbean uh, right about now. And uh, actually, my plans include some some Caribbean travel, which you'll read about in, in Travel Pulse. Uh, my near term. Yes, we won't. We won't scoop you, but yes, Brian. Brian might be traveling to a Caribbean destination very soon. Very, very soon, soon after this podcast very recording. Soon. Very <laughs> soon. So you'll hear more about that. And uh, I, one other item I wanted to mention, of course, um, uh, for this segment is uh, Sandals Resorts Executive Chairman Adam Stewart, who is a friend of both of ours. He has been invited to enjoy to join the Executive Committee of the World Travel and Tourism Council. 
His induction represents the actionable change and strides forward made by Stewart throughout his time in the industry, and that's according to the WTCC officials. And for his part, Adams said he was honored to join the executive committee of an organization he has so respected since the start of his career. Quote, this leadership team is passionately focused on the efforts of the travel and tourism sector, and I am eager to contribute. He also added, together, we will continue to promote an industry that is more sustainable and inclusive than it was yesterday, reminding our, neighbor, our neighboring industries and international governments that travel is an essential necessity to life. Now, the World Travel and Tourism Council represents the global, the global travel and tourism private sector and includes 200 CEOs, chair, chairs, and presidents of the world's leading travel and tourism companies. WTTC is dedicated to raising the awareness of governments and the public of the economic and social significance of the travel and tourism sector. Now, you will learn more about this uh, in our next segment where we speak with Adam Stewart. We are thrilled today to have with us Adam Stewart. He's executive chairman of Sandals Resorts and Beaches Resorts. Uh, full disclosure, I've known Adam for quite a bit. We have quite a little connection because in way back in the way back, I used to work for Sandals. It's been a, a really great part of my career that I wouldn't be here without them. So particular welcome to Adam Stewart. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Sarah and Brian and everyone. It's, uh, it, is, uh, it is so fabulous to be here. Your, uh, your warm Jamaican accent is making me feel right at home, Sarah. So I have uh, <laughs> you know, a beautiful day. Good, good. So I'm going to start with a super easy question, but one that I know that a lot of people are, are dying to know. So as Sandals, as Sandals celebrates its 40th, I can't believe it, 40th anniversary, can you just give us a snapshot of where the company is now? How many resorts in how many countries? I remember when I started, there were eight and we just opened Antigua. When I left, we just opened beaches, uh, Turks. No, no, no. Beaches in Negril. So tell me how many resorts there are in how many countries and where and when you're going to be opening new resorts. Yeah, absolutely. So today at 40, we are 20 resorts across the Caribbean. Uh, sometimes you see the number 24 published and that's because we have a few other non-sandals, uh, uh, entities like a private Island in the Bahamas for key and other, products like that, but the resort company Sanders on Beaches is 20 resorts. We are uh, in eight islands across the Caribbean, uh, having started in Jamaica and then went to Antigua, the beautiful island of St. Lucia, the Turks and Caicos Islands and the Bahamas, uh, Barbados, Grenada, and now we are boots on the ground in the island of Curacao in the Dutch Caribbean. And, uh, and then right behind that, which will make our ninth island, will be St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So at 40, we are looking as young as ever. Our properties are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're the leading luxury Caribbean resorts um, set on the best beaches, most of them facing west for sunsets. And, uh, and that's been kind of one of our superpowers over the years is just finding that incredible real estate, the kind of real estate that everyone wants to hit the beach, the most magnificent mm -hmm. beaches, and building the most incredible concrete in dynamic rooms and suites. And then, of course, filling them and powering them with the most incredible 15,000 Caribbean nationals that make us who we are. That are the number one reason why our customers come back here. 15,000, wow. We're up to 15,000 and we'll be up to wow. 20,000 in the next three to four years. Impressive, impressive. 
that's quite a bit of growth. And Adam, when we when we talk about sandals, um, of course, you have been challenged like every other resort in the Caribbean and across the world with the pandemic. So what kind of programs you and I have talked about this in the past, and I know you this is one of your areas that you've been intimately involved. So what kinds of changes were made at the resorts to make vacationers comfortable? Because there was some initial there were some initial reports and some initial uh, uh, tension (laughs) early in the pandemic surrounding resorts. And uh, what has Sandals done? Yeah, you know, look, I think for all good reason, Brian, the the consumer, like every one of us, we're being fair and honest. We were all concerned. This is a this is a per, it's a health crisis that affected us personally. Um, there was a lack of information. It was new. Uh, information was coming hard and fast. You, in the beginning, it was like it was coming, uh, you know, every few days, and then it became daily, and then it just started, be, you know, uh, on the fly, uh, on uh, uh, in real time. So consumers consumers never give up on their love and their desire to travel, but they push pause until they figured, uh, figured out ways to keep themselves safe. And, uh, and all of that led into what became this sort of buzzword of travel protocols, health and safety travel protocols. And those protocols were blank pieces of paper because we've never, uh, we've never had to endure since, since Caribbean travel became a thing, uh, which really was born in the 1950s uh, in, in a real way and then really took off, of course, in the, in the, in the early 1980s and, and beyond. Uh, we have never had to deal with anything like this before, this kind of health crisis. So early April 2020, uh, protocols started to be drafted, uh, national protocols across each of the islands. And then, of course, Sandals Resorts being the largest uh, resort chain in the Caribbean and also uh, the company that has the, the most brand equity and trust between our customers. We really dug deep and we created what we call the Sandals Platinum Protocols which today have kept us unbelievably safe. We have had a 0.05 positivity rate uh, since, uh, since opening, which is incredible. It shows you that the protocols worked. Uh, it shows you that uh, the, the different measures from the hospital-grade sanitizer uh, and sanitization that we've done in the room. So we were the first to do the door seals, locking the doors. We were the first to put black light technology in cleaning our rooms. Um, and then, of course, mentally, our customers, because everyone was going through this at the same time, the respect levels for, for just distance between everyone uh, was there. You know, you were, you were never in a debate with the customer. The customers were totally empathetic, supportive, and they were just so happy to be back uh, at the resort. So we took our restaurants, moved them outside. Sandals is for two people in love. Love is all you need. And uh, under the stars on the beach. Uh, so we took the opportunity to elevate our services and to make sure we didn't take anything away from our customers. Um, so social distancing on our scuba diving boats, instead of having a capacity of 26, we went out to 10, uh, in transfers. Some of them were private, uh, from the airports to the resorts. Some of them were on our coaches. We cut the coach capacity in half. Um, and the list kind of goes on and on, you know, the QR codes for the, for the menus, you know, that was impressive, uh, in, 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 uh, in June, 2020, uh, today, every, everyone's done it. And, um, and I think the takeaways, some of these things will stay, you know, definitely on the sanitization, uh, sanitization side in Sandals Resorts. There are no plans to pull that back. It's kept us safer. And the truth is global hospitality probably could have done a better job and uh, nothing before it's time. So we're going to do it now. Oh, I think that's gratifying to hear for people who, you know, some of us are still, some people are still a little bit um, 
cautious about getting out there. And I think that when we hear from people like you who are saying what people are doing, real things that really have made a difference, it helps people feel a little bit more comfortable and ready to travel. Yep. So I, I, I believe that congratulations in or, are in order, Adam, because I know that you've been invited to join, the, to join the Executive Committee of the World Travel and Trade Council, which is a big deal. So congrats. My question to you is, how do you think in this new role you will advocate for the millions of people who work in tourism across the Caribbean, including, of course, the 15,000 people that work for Sandals? Yeah, I mean, look, the short answer, the, the, the WTTC, the World uh, Travel and Tourism Council, is, is an advocating authority for just what it says, for tourism. And tourism is about the movement of people and the experiences and crossing borders and exploring the world uh, and the entire ecosystem. So the first thing I would say is that it's a huge privilege and it's one that I take with a, with a, with a you know, debt of gratitude um, and a level of humility. My role here is secondary for Sandals and primarily for the Caribbean at large. It's, it's given us as the big brand in the Caribbean, the homegrown grown brand, the only super brand to have ever come out of travel, uh, born out of Jamaica and spread across the Caribbean. It's given us a, a big seat at the table to represent the Caribbean. The Caribbean is the world's most tourism-dependent region. So tourism is a backbone. It's our lifeblood. It's how we earn our foreign exchange. It connects to agriculture. It connects to... Uh, farmers and fishers and manufacturing and the entertainment sector and the, the experiences and excursions, the restaurateurs, the, the, the pharmacies and the hardwares. It connects to everything. And uh, to the degree to with which tourism does well, the economies of our island states are going to do well. So mm-hmm. my role here, certainly through my eyes and I see it, is having a seat at the table uh, to make sure and agitate for policy uh, that leads to the mo- uh, to, to, to a, a higher velocity uh, for tourism, not only in the arrivals of, of of visitors to our region, but in the retention of foreign exchange that goes into our into our economy. So that's I so crucial. Myself, it's 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 everything. It's the backbone. It you know it affects it affects everything. So I see myself here being in a position, um, you know, having. The, the widest base of any resort chain across all these islands, uh, this gives us real insights into what the challenges are and making sure that we're able to use uh, or seat at the table at the WTTC um, to advocate for change. And some of the more recent ones that they've done incredibly well are you know, advocating for the removal of the stoplight uh, system in, in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, which has led to a more... You know, a more sensible approach to get people moving again, a less prejudicial approach uh, to particular regions and parts of the world. And, and we were very much at the table and the WTTC's voice is, you know, is strong and proud and fact based. Um, so mm-hmm. when we say things like the positivity rate and, t- and tourism corridors in Jamaica, uh, well, in Sandals, as I said, is 0.05. But generally speaking, in tourism, we're seeing something around 0.5, 0.6. Uh, and you look at that comparatively to some of our source markets when 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 the delta peaked and spiked and you're seeing positivity rates of 10 12 15 20% it shows you how well caribbean tourism responded how well they implemented uh, the protocols how seriously we took this debate uh, and situation and uh, and ultimately the results speak for themselves and we're going to use those facts to make sure that we do everything we can to make sure visitors keep coming to the caribbean and our Caribbean tourism uh, industry soars from strength to strength. Because life needs the Caribbean, right? 
<laughs> you know, the world without the Caribbean is just not as fun. <laughs> I agree. I agree, Brian. <laughs> There's no question about it. And, uh, you know, it is, it's, it's also, be, you're talking about business, but it's personal as well, uh, Adam. And I know it's personal for you, of course. And, uh, you know, it's personal for all of us here because uh, we both, Karen, uh, Sarah and I, of course, is, Sarah's Jamaican. I have Caribbean roots. My wife is Jamaican. My wife is from Jamaica. And she actually briefly worked at Sandals, at Santa, Sandals <laughs> Montego Bay before she left to come to the U.S. and uh, attend college. So uh, very personal. And you've been a hotelier your entire career, Adam, and you, you're, you're used to being open. Uh, so can you describe the experience of closure, waiting, reopening, and then the ramp up following the pandemic? How, what were the lessons that you learned? You know, it was, it was an odd time. It was a really odd time. We had just come out of the, uh, off the backs of 2019, which was the best year for Caribbean travel in our history. Uh, the economy was strong. Uh, generally speaking, things were moving in an upward trajectory, and 2020 was, 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 was thought to be a uh, historic year economically. And things were just moving in the right, in the right direction. Uh, we started to hear about, about this, this, this virus, this invisible virus that uh, potentially would, would have devastating effects. And, and I would say that the impact really became real in, in February, uh, where, where, where the acknowledgement of it was, it was, it was dinner table conversation. A month later, the week of the 20th of March, the borders of the Caribbean were closing. So by default, all of our resorts had to close, Sandals Resorts and others. Uh, air, tra- air travel, air corridors were shut down. Sept- you know, September 11th, uh, when that occurred, there, was, there were shutdowns for 10, 11, 12 days. Uh, this was you know, much more extensive. And, and truthfully, at the beginning, we all, thought, we all thought that this would last 90 days, tops. Uh, and, and all of the actions that we were doing were around a 90-day horizon. And then it kind of became 120, and then 150, and 180. Here we are 19 months later. So there was about a 10-day period, brand that it was odd. Nobody really knew what to do. People were concerned. We were concerned about food and supply chains. And, right. and then the Zoom calls started. And an absolutely beautiful thing happened within that, where I witnessed the coming together of all airline competitors, of all cruise competitors, of all hotel competitors, of different regions of the world, Europe talking to the Caribbean and the Caribbean talking to Asia, trying to figure out for the first time ever a common goal of how to get people moving again because we felt like we lost a part of our soul by not being able to travel. Our generation grew up with travel not as a luxury, as a way of life. So many of us travel for our jobs. Uh, hence, look at, look at Marriott and Hilton and, and a call. Look how many business hotels they have around the world. Those hotels are filled with people that are traveling for work. And, uh, and Zoom, although it existed, was new. It was a baby. Not many people were using it. And uh, so there was this odd moment and then, as I mentioned, you know, we, we published our first protocol uh, by the 23rd of April. Uh, that was uh, sitting with our Ministry of, of, of Health. Uh, they were reviewing them. And then, of course, Sandals moved first in the Caribbean, uh, opening on June 1st. And uh, we opened with, with, with less occupancy than we were used to, than we had liked. But I can tell you, I stood in the lobby of Sandals Montego Bay, where Sandals was founded in 1981. And I welcomed customer after customer that were so happy to be back 
to have not had to put their life any longer on pause. Uh, many of them were honeymooners that weddings got displaced and they had to re, uh, rebook three, four, five, six times. And there was a sense of this humility that we had almost taken for granted just what impact travel has on all of us. That in that moment, we no longer took for granted. So yes, it's been complicated. And yes, it's pushed us. But here we are 19 months later. Sandals has been more or less full uh, from our about August of 2020. Uh, many of our past guests stood by us, our travel advisors uh, that had the confidence, uh, recommended us. And, uh, and we really stood out above the rest, which we're hugely grateful for, for the trust that we have had. And hence, our 40-year campaign is called Trust and Love. And it's the trust and love between our, our communities and our company, our travel industry and our company, our team members and staff and our company, and of course, our customers and our company. And uh, Sandals is founded on the philosophy that love is infinite. And, uh, uh, you know, that's what we do and celebrate in Sandals. So trust and love, we feel, are the world's two most powerful words. And hence, that's our campaign after 40 years. I like it. Essentials for any business or any relationship, really, right? Trust trust and love. Mm-hmm. They are so very good guys. Wrap it- Yes. To, to wrap us up, I'm going to ask you, you know, you're 40 years in, you're looking, looking, companies looking real good, expanding all over the place. Better than ever. Do you have a vision for 40 years from now, which would be 2061 or 40 years from, you know, another 40 years? <laughs> you know, Sarah, I can, I can actually say that's the first time anybody's asked me that question. Um, <laughs> you know, we're focused on the next decade. The Caribbean mm-hmm. is our sandbox. I'm a sixth-generation Jamaican. My dad was a fifth-generation Jamaican. Our company was founded in Jamaica, and it, it, uh, it, it grew abroad uh, to the Caribbean. The Caribbean is our sandbox. It's the region of the world that we are most comfortable in. It's the region that we know better than just about anyone. And, um, and we've been able to make, you know, the, the Caribbean, which you guys would know, has a thing called CARICOM, which mm-hmm. much of the world know the EU, the European Union. And CARICOM stands for Caribbean Community, and it's the free movement of trade and labor uh, amongst these beautiful island states. The Caribbean as a region is boxed in, but these are all sovereign, independent states. We all speak differently. We call different fruits uh, or the same fruit different things. We all make Mm -hmm. different uh, music from soca to reggae. But collectively, uh, my dad always said, and I always so agreed he said when the almighty created the caribbean he spent a little bit more time here than anywhere else in the world the natural beauty of the caribbean is 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 what we put on the world stage and celebrate every day and my goal has been and uh and my five-year trajectory which leads into the 10-year to my team is we're going to double our organization uh in the caribbean in the next 10 years uh where we'll go from there we're not sure, but we have, all, we have all of what we need right now to double. We have land banks in Jamaica, in St. Lucia, in the Bahamas, in Turks and Caicos. Uh, we're going into Curacao. We have additional lands that we acquired there up front, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, exact same thing. We're going to build a beautiful beaches resort, but we're also going to leave capacity to expand uh, in, into the future. So we have looked, we have looked at, at, uh, at life through a future lens. Uh, always imagine what it can become and what Sandals Resorts can become. So 
uh, in 40 years, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll break out beyond the Caribbean, but for now, our superpower and our biggest pride is being born of the Caribbean and celebrating the Caribbean and its people and its beauty. And, uh, and we plan to take it to a whole other level in Sandals version 2.0 uh, under my leadership. Well, I tell you, Brian and I support you in that because we love the Caribbean too. I love to call myself a caravangelist, spreading the gospel <laughs> of the Caribbean everywhere. Um, I like that. You know, obviously, we all we all love the region. We're very happy for what Sandals has done to uh, publicize it and promote it to the rest of the world. Because honestly, yes, it is the best place in the world. Let's face it. Let's we, face it. We, yes. <laughs> right, Brian and I just hope it that is. we're around in 40 years' time <laughs> to see everything that goes on and how big you've grown. So thank you. Thank you for coming on me. Really, really appreciate you being here on Complete Caribbean. It is my great pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. And, you know, I'll, I'll end by saying so many people, if you fly state to state, you know, East Coast, West Coast in America, it's kind of a six, six and a half hour flight. Uh, in, in the Caribbean, if you fly, you know, stem to stern either side, it's about a four and a half hour flight. So I don't think many people recognize just how big the archipelago, uh, archipelago of the Caribbean is uh, and how different it is. And, uh, and hence there's so much to explore and so much to do and see. And we just keep falling in love with more and more islands and, and do what we do there. So thank you so much, Brian and Sarah, for having me. And I hope to see you down in the Caribbean soon. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Always thank you for coming. We'd love to see you there. And thank you so much for your time today. Okay, let's move to our Island Inbox segment where we, Sarah and, I, Sarah and I, look at some news and notes from around the region that we've picked up in, you know, in uh, our, our, our discussions and our um, uh, communications. And I want to talk about one of, again, we, we always say we have favorite islands, but again, this is a fascinating place. Martinique and American Airlines flights between Martinique and the United States will resume on November 6th. That's according to Benedicte de Geronimo, who is the country's tourism minister. The departures will operate between Miami International Airport and Amier Césaire International Airport in Fort de France and initially depart on Saturdays before expanding to thrice weekly service in February. Now, in September, Martinique was inducted into UNESCO's Man and the Biosphere program as one of 35 biodiversity hotspots whose unique environment includes multiple endemic species living in rare and endangered habitats. What does that mean for us? This means that Martinique, and I've been there a few times, it is a remarkably lush island, and in addition to uh, urban areas and in and, and a, and a historic downtown in Fort-de-France, it has a beautiful, sweeping, lush landscape and beautiful waters. Uh, in fact, the island's remarkable geology also includes 4,583-foot Mount Pele, rainforests, and a shoreline featuring bays, coves, and lush mangroves. Martinique is also in a combination of natural wonder, again, historic landmarks, and African, Caribbean, and European cultures. Now, just so you know, travelers to Martinique age 11 or older are required to provide proof of a negative PCR test result at least 72 hours prior to departure or a negative antigen test result less than 48 hours before departure. Non-vaccinated visitors must provide a, quote, compelling reason for traveling to Martinique. And upon arrival in the country, 
Travelers will be subjected to a seven-day isolation and a COVID-19 test at the end of the period. Different protocols than some of the other islands, a little more stringent, but as we know, every island is approaching the pandemic in a different manner. And uh, this is how Martinique has, uh, which opened a little later than some of the other destinations. This is how Martinique has chosen to handle reintroduction of tourism into this wonderful country. Well worth visiting if you've not been before. And if you have been before, you know how terrific it is. And I'm sure you want to get back. Martinique est magnifique, n'est-ce pas? See, that's all my schoolgirl <laughs> French there. That's my schoolgirl French I'm showing up with there. Sacre <laughs> Bleu is probably as far as I can remember. <laughs> yes, mon dieu. <laughs> Now, from France, from a French territory to England, uh, where it's just been announced that Jamaican artist Basil Watson has won a million pound commission to create a statue that will be a monument to the Caribbean people who arrived in droves in the UK just after the Second World War. Known as the Windrush Generation, after one of the ships that brought them from the islands, thousands of Caribbean people immigrated to what was then known as the Mother Country in search of a better life for their families between roughly 1948 and 1971. Expecting to be welcomed with open arms, unfortunately, they faced discrimination, prejudice, and even in later years, I think it was 2018, unlawful deportation. There was a huge Windrush scandal. So this monument which will be unveiled at London's Waterloo Station, which is where many people arrived. The first London station they arrived at when they came in on the port in Southampton. This monument will be a tribute to the strength and the resilience of those Caribbean people. And I have to say, this story warms my heart and I feel a really personal connection to it because my parents, grandparents, were part of the Windrush generation. My grandparents um, arrived in England from Jamaica in the 50s, and I was born and grew up in Jamaica, I mean, sorry, in England, as well as Jamaica. So this whole uh, Windrush thing really is significant to me. And I got to tell you, I hope that next June 22nd, which is celebrated as Windrush Day, that I will be at Waterloo Station and seeing the unveiling of Basil Watson's monument, because it's really going to be a big deal. I mean, so much to many thousands of people who have contributed to the United Kingdom society and all, haven't always been treated well. Absolutely. A worthwhile, wonderful thing to occur, a wonderful uh, uh, recognition of uh, that legacy and uh, and something that we can all, you know, that 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 is part of the, the history of uncovering some of these these uh, the whole picture, the complete picture of uh, what Caribbean uh, life and influence in the whole world has meant. So um, just great to see. I'm very happy to see that. Uh, take place now we're gonna Maybe take it to london with me brian maybe we'll go oh, together you wouldn't have to twist my arms because I would, <laughs> i would love to do that i'd love to do that and uh karen my wife who's a jamaican as i mentioned uh mm -hmm. earlier is uh is a big fan of london you wouldn't have to it wouldn't take much to get her going <laughs> there. so uh so that would allow me to go um Now, I want to move to a cultural uh, uh, occurrence uh, that is going to occur again in uh, 2021. And it originally launched in 2014 to generate greater awareness of the British Virgin Islands multifaceted culinary scene. The event I'm talking about is BVI Food Fit. It's a month-long festival showcasing classic Caribbean dishes. And it returns to in-person events this year after those were canceled during the pandemic in 2020. The territory-wide events include Taste of Tortola on November 5th and 6th, 
which features special culinary creations, BVI chef demonstrations, and wine pairings, plus super popular food trucks from all parts of the British Virgin Islands archipelago. On November 19th, BVI Night Out, the BVI's most popular restaurants will be profiled, offering exclusive prefix menus. The Taste of Virgin Gorda on November 20th is a classic component of BVI Food Fet and features world-class restaurants and chefs. And finally, on November 27th and 28th, the Anagata Lobster Festival, festival takes Yum. place. Yum, right? <laughs> and spotlights the island's signature delicacy, the Anagata Spiny Lobster, and a variety of delectable dishes. And I just want to mention this this typifies the Caribbean's diversity. Within the British, the British Virgin Islands itself, there is a specialized seafood to one island. So this is a multi-island archipelago. And it just gives you an example of how diverse, how much there is in the in the Caribbean. If you haven't seen, if you've seen one thing, you haven't seen everything. There's more to see. <laughs> isn't so, that the truth? You know what I'd like to right? see? I, w- I would like to see a sort of lobster off between the Anagada lobster and between Anguilla's own lobster, the, the crayfish, you know, that they could oh. only find in the waters of Anguilla. I want to be there. BVI and Anguilla, I think you guys should get together and have a lobster off, a crustacean off, a and invite off. us to come and be judges. Yes, <laughs> yes, invite us, please. That would make it, you know, legitimate. That would legitimize the entire, you know. Absolutely, to, uh, to absolutely. To, uh, give our <laughs> so good we're going to go from lobster and crayfish kind of in a circle back to where we started to COVID. But this is some really interesting COVID-related news that came across my desk that I wanted to share. So in St. Lucia, the all-inclusive spa resort, The Body Holiday, is now offering a COVID convalescence program, which is aimed at restoring the respiratory health of travelers who've been infected with COVID. The five-day program includes yoga, meditation, Reiki, lymphatic drainage, and even hypnotherapy that's supposed to target and strengthen strengthen the respiratory system and enhance your overall health. Of course, the resort is making it clear that this is a non-medical treatment, but you know, you know what they say, Brian, salt water is a cure for everything, whether that's sweat, tears, or indeed the Caribbean. So I don't know if you if you're recovering from COVID, if you've recovered. You know, maybe you want to think about going to the Bali holiday and just sealing the deal. Two points. One, salt water works for everything. And mm-hmm. and two, um, two, we've all suffered some form of trauma in the last yes. two years due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Every one of them, every single person. Yeah, so, even if you um, haven't got COVID, yes, you've we've all been affected and changed. No question. So, um, so that sounds really good. <laughs> that sounds like a really good thing. Um, so that's out there, folks. Um, do not fail to uh, to uh, take advantage of that. Yeah, take care of yourselves. Even if you can't get to the Caribbean now or you don't feel like traveling there right now, you're not comfortable, that's okay. But when you do, the Caribbean is waiting for you and Brian and I will be waiting here to be your guides. So thank you for joining us on episode 14. We're looking forward to seeing you on episode 15. But in the meantime, you know what to do. Listen, subscribe, like, share, all of that. We're very needy, Brian and I. We want all of that stuff. And we hope to see you in the Caribbean very soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Complete Caribbean. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.